Welcome to our podcast, What I Didn't Learn at Harvard, where super connectors who will be talking about how to network smartly in a post-pandemic world. I'm your host and moderator, Rajiv Jadav. I'm a reputation management strategist and social impact activist. My co-host is Victor Lee. He's our Harvard alum, and he will be guiding us through all the things he's learned about networking since he graduated. In the episodes that follow, you'll be hearing from experts who do networking well. Welcome to another exciting episode of Things I Didn't Learn at Harvard. Today, we're joined by a very special guest, Jeff Sheehan. Who is Jeff, you may ask? Well, Jeff is many things, and I'm looking at Jeff's LinkedIn profile, LinkedIn headline, and reading it verbatim. It lists Jeff as a speaker, author, connector, digital marketing and sales professional, helping professionals and companies drive revenues via social selling and thought leadership. Jeff, first of all, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Join uh, two networking colleagues that uh, one of Rajiv, I've known you for quite a significant length of time. Victor, uh, just recently met uh, several months ago, and it's a pleasure knowing both of you, quite honestly. You're both consummate professionals, so it's great to be with you. Thank, thank you, Jeff. That that's quite a compliment coming from you, and you know. The, thank you. Yeah, so that that's great. so we're very excited to have you on the show. So, Jeff, I mean, I read a lot of uh, words in an interesting sequence in your LinkedIn headline, and one of the things that that caught my eye was uh, what you said about helping professionals and companies drive revenues uh, through social selling and thought leadership. Now, I know that thought leadership is a little, it can sometimes be an overused word. So I would definitely like to know from, in your own words, when you say thought leadership, what do you mean? And also what you, if you could share an example of thought leadership done right, that you may observe in, you know, in the open market. Oh, okay. As as far as thought leadership is concerned, it's basically position yourself as a resident expert within a discipline and publishing, speaking, and doing other activities to support that presence within that particular sector. There are many ways of doing it. And as far as thought leadership is concerned, it is a term that's been kicked around in many different ways. And the reason I consider uh, thought leadership, and I actually have been deemed a thought leader, uh, as a matter of fact, I think it was about seven years ago, eight years ago, two years in a row, I was named uh, one of the top 50 thought leaders in marketing in the world by a publication out of London, two years in a row. Unfortunately, the publication has ceased publishing, but nevertheless, it was quite an honor to be included in that list, along with uh, Tom Peters and several others. So, well, it it was good, but uh, again, they don't take that at Starbucks. They don't help uh, pay the mortgage in our respects, but it, was, it led to opportunities. Uh, that's all I want to say. For instance, I ended up becoming an IBM influencer and working with IBM for a number of years as a result of, I think, that thought leadership position, the people I was associated with 
And it, it does create opportunities for you or for your respective business. But it's something you have to let others deem yourself as a, being a thought leader rather than yourself putting yourself out there as one. Otherwise, you become somewhat similar to a Kardashian or some of these bullshit gotcha. people out there. Yeah, uh, famous for being famous. Right, correct. Yeah, absolutely. And so, I just sh shake my head at that. So, te so Jeff, I mean, you've certainly established yourself, and you're right, right? You know, a thought leader should be some a, a title that other people bestow on you by right. virtue of, of what you're done. And I saw, saw that, you know, the work you've done was, at IBM was to, have, you know, be a futurist. So that, right. you know, really fits with the concept of being the thought leader. And also, you've, you've done an amazing job of really building your network. And I see, you know, you've got 300,000 followers on Twitter. Um, and so, and and that you're on Twitter quite a bit, you know, tweeting. And what I think is interesting is like, you tweet about different things. Like some are sort of inspirational, some are very practical. So can you think of, can you talk us a little bit like, what was your strategy to becoming a thought leader? And what is your strategy today, particularly as it comes to social media? Well, okay, what happened is I was in the technology sector for many, many years, and I still dabble in it to a certain extent, but I worked at companies like Intel, Hewlett Packard, Apple Computer, Dell, Microsoft on the Xbox, uh, yeah. AT&T, and I was at the forefront of many technologies because I worked for a Japanese electronics company. I think the sales are about 15 billion now, 80,000 employees. I traveled around the world calling on the, all these technology leaders with their personnel that are going to our factories and to their factories as well as far uh, remote as Chengdu, China, where wow. one of the companies had a plan and went there a couple of times. So I lived and breathed technology. And what happened is that came to a screeching halt be 14 years ago in September when uh, you reach a certain age in Japanese companies. And uh, unfortunately, uh, you, they develop a so-called window seat and you move uh, to the window seat and then eventually out the door when you turn 60, unless you're on the board. It's just the nature of the beast in the Japanese culture. So with that, um, I was downsized and decided to do some things on my own. I didn't want to stay in the technology sector, although I did interview for a couple of jobs, but it really wasn't for me. It was a pressure-packed uh, area that the, you never knew uh, what was going to happen from one day to the next. And a $2.50 part could impact uh, the revenue streams of so many companies with regard to product introductions and that. So I decided yeah. to go out on my yeah. own and do some things and decided to become an entrepreneur. And it was actually uh, one of the things I wanted to do. I always wanted to write a book. And so I figured to write a book, you need a distribution channel. So I said, perhaps the best channel that I could jump onto would be Twitter because I can yeah. connect with a lot of people. So I made a concerted effort in October of 2009 to up my game, or it was yeah, no, maybe it was uh, November, but to up my game on Twitter and really and went that's, out that's there. pretty early to the Twitter game. Yes, I was, I was fairly early, uh, quite honestly. I was fairly early to LinkedIn, too. I started on LinkedIn in 2016. I should have jumped on board when I was first uh, made aware of it uh, two or three years prior to that, but I decided I didn't have the time or the interest at that time. So I went out, I jumped on Twitter, and I what I did is I just started building following. I started tweeting and really went at it with a vengeance uh, to try to build a network. And what I was doing is I was focusing in on, I knew I was going to write something in marketing. And then I got kind of sidetracked because of the fact that I was doing a lot of career ministry work and ended up writing a book with another guy on the job search, a book called Hired Pass Employment in the Social Media Area. Wow. 
So, yeah. so uh, that a was man a of many, uh, many interests. Yeah, that, well, that was a result of doing career ministry work and giving talks on using social media tools such as LinkedIn, Twitter, Google, uh, personal branding for the job search. So with that, I went out there and I started following people of interest, uh, people that were so-called pundits, people that were leaders in the industries, uh, various industries, particularly technology and also marketing. And I went at uh, a strategy at that time was following the followers of those respective people because oh, the followers. Okay, I'm sorry. Can you sorry? So sorry, you Sure. Can you say that again, like really slowly? So because there is this thought of following the leaders, and you're saying what you did is you followed the followers of the leaders. Correct. Correct. Okay. And the so, reason so being, I guess, so I guess why? Oh, go ahead. No, yeah, I'm go ahead. Why? <laughs> why? Because the people that are followers of those respective people are more than likely to follow you as well. Because the fact oh. that the content you produce and your particular background are very similar. So they will follow you because of the fact you represent pretty much the same genre as what those people are, are advocating or, or talking about. So, it, and it worked. Uh, I was in the right place at the right time. Uh, unlike some of these people out there now saying, you know, they get all these follows overnight and what have you. I worked hard at it. I was up uh, tweeting at six in the morning or sometimes earlier than that and engaging with the people, trying to thank them for following me, thank them for retweeting me, thanking this for this. It was always uh, genuine. And I do my best to support them as well. But also there was a tool out there at the time that helped me uh, facilitate that because I could automate a lot of the process of following people up to so many people per day. Uh, unfortunately, the APIs changed in Twitter, and that's no longer a luxury uh, for people. So I was in the right place at the right time. I followed the right people that could help grow my audience and was very successful at it. I have had a drop. I, oh, I'm sorry, Victor, go ahead. <laughs> so you were following a fairly large number of people every day if you if you needed to automate it, I assume. Good. Correct. I, I think it was like two to three hundred, if I'm not mistaken, oh at God. that time. So I was following them, and invariably, uh, I'd say sixty percent of them would follow me back. Okay. So the the so, numbers ratio. But Jeff, is it yes. just the simple act of following you? So that means you click follow, the person says so and so is following you, and then they immediately follow you back, or is there some sort of communication that happens between you two? No, no, they would uh, follow you back. There was no communications per se in most cases. Sometimes, yes, huh. but generally, no. And uh, like I said, the ratio, I think, was about 60%. I think nowadays, if you follow someone, the ratio is a lot lower because there's so much noise in the channel. Uh, there weren't as many people on Twitter at that time. The, the marketing space was nowhere near as flooded as it is now. So it was a lot easier, quite honestly, but being in the right place at the right time, catching that wave before it's crested means so much uh, in anything that you do. And I advocate that anytime I give a, a job search talk is jump on that next wave, get there, get on that wave and ride it before it uh, starts to crest at the beach. Because oh, that's great. That's great advice. Now, so can I also ask you then? Sure. At the same time that you're following all these people, I assume you're tweeting a lot yourself, right? Co correct. So so do you want to talk about like what, what was your strategy in terms of the frequency, the content, you engaging with other people? Oh, my yeah, frequency. I guess, so I guess what are the best practices, right? Okay, well, what I did is I actually start, I set it up with Hootsuite and I started scheduling tweets. 
And if you notice, what I try to do is I try to, in my particular case, uh, I try to tweet at, on a consistent basis, almost daily. I have a, a trouble doing it when I'm traveling, quite honestly. Sure. So it's very, very uh, difficult to keep up with it. But nevertheless, I schedule the tweets in the morning on various marketing, uh, thought leadership. It could be also customer experience, customer journey uh, topics. And I do it about once an hour or so that I set that up. I read the articles. I read, I read through the articles. I try to um, actually glean as much information from the articles as I can. I have wide interest, but my wide, my interest is mainly marketing and those aspects of it. And I consider customer journey, customer experience, SEO, social media, they're all under the marketing umbrella. So in thought leadership as well, thought leadership is marketing. So I'm not really going broad. I'm fairly, I'm focused on uh, an area, although my focus is a little bit wide because the marketing is a wide discipline. It's unlike what it was 30, 40 years ago when uh, it was very simple. Yeah, I've noticed like when I get onto Twitter in the morning, Jeff, my feed is filled with tweets from you. Oh, okay. And, and then I also find that the the tweets have gotten a lot of uh, a lot of uh, exposure. I mean, right. They consistently seem to have three hundred views, you know, right. first thing in the morning. So it could be you know people like in Europe and so on, and then also the the consistency of the themes, like you said, right? They seem to fall into both like you know marketing and but you do a lot of aspirational in inspirational. Correct. On, on weekends, um, I on Sundays, I've over the years have developed a number of quotes that I thought of in the middle of the night, quite honestly, and <laughs> woke up at three o'clock in the morning and actually would take notes uh, for them and then have put them out there. Uh, I still have a lot more to do. And as time uh, allows, I try to do that. Okay. And so can you talk about, so, so you've been doing all this activity, it's had all these, you know, results in terms of engagement and followers and so on. Um, I, I forget how many people are, how, I mean, how many people you're following. Um, is, I, assuming, I, I, actually, I'm following more than uh, follow me. And let me tell you why, because of yeah, the fact that they have. Because that's sort of counter to conventional. Oh, it's counter. Wisdom. And the reason I have done that is, is just a question of keeping up, quite honestly, Victor, and going through and cleaning it up. Um, again, I had that tool that I was using, and it was a lot easier to use that tool to clean them up as well. They changed the API on that. So now yeah. it's a, a laborious uh, task to actually eliminate the uh, you know, people, the followers that aren't following me back in that. So it's a lot easier I, to do. Okay. Well, I, I see. I see. So you were following all these people, and 60% of them followed you back, but you, you right. say you, it's hard to get rid of them now. Right. It's hard to eliminate them. And the other thing is, I'm a, I, what I would like to do is I like to be at a one-to-one ratio with yeah, regard yeah. to fall, follows. And I, quite honestly, I see these people out there that are following two people and they have 10,000 followers. And I see a lot of new, new people in the marketing space doing that as well. Some of the people have been out there for years. But nevertheless, I, I just wonder about these individuals because the fact is, uh, who do they think they are? Quite yeah. honestly, because I, I, of I, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I yeah, I agree. It, it 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 sets kind of a odd tone, right? That they know, you know, they feel they know everything, and they don't need to listen to anybody else. But I'm sorry, right? Correct, correct. So, I mean, my impression of those people, I would advocate to people that are out there starting new in the game, is to avoid those people. They're not going to gauge with them. They're not right. going to read their tweets. They're not going to do anything. So why bother? Yes, you might get you might get a few tidbits here and there. But it's not worth the pain 
that, geez, why doesn't so-and-so respond to me? Why don't they do this? You want people to try their best to their ability to engage with you. Right, yes. And if they're falling three people, they're not going to engage with you. Right. Yeah, it's kind of like going to a concert, right? (laughs) You know, the the singer might be singing, but they're not going to engage with you because... They're they're busy doing their own thing. So can you talk, so now that you've built this huge audience and you've got all this great engagement and you've been putting out all this terrific content. So how has that in, affected your business? Like what have you gotten out of it? What did you hope to get out of it? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Okay, as far as what I hope to get, I, again, I'm still working on these books. Okay, uh, I wrote that one, and it's a long story behind it. But nevertheless, the book has done reasonably well. But I'm I've been working on some other books and courses and what have you in the marketing space. Okay. And so, you know, trying to capitalize on that with respect to network. So it's been betting on the come in some respects. Life has gotten in the way. Uh, I travel quite a bit, as I've told you. And uh, so I try to make time to spend with my grandchildren. That That's what's important at my age. Right? Sure. Speaking. Also doing a lot of nonprofit work and actively involved in the Salvation Army and other nonprofits. And, you know, have been teaching others over the last uh, 13 years on how to use uh, the various tools out there for our job search and for okay. what well, have that's you. That's great. So, so Jeff, Jeff, yes. so I got to ask you, right? So you, you mentioned earlier about your process or your, let's say, psychology or approach towards Twitter. And you would typically use a tool like TweetDeck to schedule your tweets on right. a, either for that day or for that week. Uh, so my question is when the tweets that you were scheduling, were these tweets that were more like, was it like an open-ended thing? Or were you presenting your point of view? Was it intended to trigger a response or was it more conversational? It was actually, it was more uh, informational, quite honestly. Uh, just taking articles that I've read that I feel would be of interest to the marketing community. I put myself in their shoes. What is a marketer, what would you want to know, uh, know about marketing? And so I, I look for articles that would be of what I feel would be of interest to them by putting myself in their shoes. And the little professor in me, I guess. If I had my druthers, I'd rather be a professor than anything else. And and I've done some of that adjunct, uh, excuse me, uh, guest lecturing and that at different universities. And I love that. So I, I put that hat on and I think about what do people, what would they be interested in? What would I be interested in as a marketer? And what would I want to learn? And every day is a learning process. I'm a lifelong learner and I love learning something new every day unfortunately there's just too much to learn now yeah yeah just... and, and i think the amount of information is exploding yes. and so let me so i guess my next question is i also noticed that on your tweets you get a lot of engagement right right uh, so you know people responding retweeting liking so do you engage with people when that happens because that that you know can be a uh, i I, tr- I try i try to to the best okay. of my ability but again my bandwidth is limited right when you have such a network of 350,000 between Twitter and LinkedIn, Instagram, yeah. Facebook, almost th- almost 345,000 people. So it becomes very, very difficult to manage it all, I, quite I honestly. Imagine. I mean, the, the good news is you have a huge network, right? Right. The tricky part is that you have a huge network. Right. Correct. So, yeah. So it becomes a little bit more of a, sort of a, of a broadcast. But so back to what you were saying earlier about sort of the purpose of the network or the benefit of the network. So this is like a built-in audience for like when you come out with your next, you know, you've, you've talked to me about that. You know, right, correct. The, the book, book that you're course. planning, yes. right, or courses. 
So you've got this built-in audience. So when it comes time to unveil your next big project, you've got these 350,000 people primed and ready to- uh, I hope. <laughs> okay, that's Just a plan kidding. anyway. Yeah, please, please, please. yes. So, okay. uh, so there's strength in numbers, but there's weakness in numbers as well. So it's just, I, ho I hope, um, again, I'm, I, I'm credible. I have years, decades of experience in this area in yes. marketing and sales and educational background to support it. And I, So I would think that they would have an interest in what I have to say. Yeah, I, I would think because, I mean, you know, I've obviously looking back at your career, right, Jeff, it, it's, you were saying that you were essentially building relationships you know, because, you know, you're in the B2B space. It's not an impulse purchase. So presumably these people bought on the basis of relationships and the quality of the products and they want to see the plants. So you're building the relationships the old fashioned way, right? In an, through an, by an airplane. Correct. And, and now you've really mastered, it seems, the new, the new way of building relationships, which is electronic. Correct. And, yeah. And, and, and built, built up a massive audience there. So, so how do you so what do you see happening let's say this year right so are you going to continue to build the network do you want it to be bigger or is it kind of the right level so what's what's next on the game plan it's uh basically i mean continue to build it but it certainly be uh more circumspect with regard to who i build it with because okay. I, I want to make sure that i can engage with the people to the best of my ability as well and if it gets too much larger that it'll be impossible it'll be honestly okay. yeah and earlier we were talking about cresting, you know, the wave cresting. Correct. And one thing I think people might in the audience might be interested in finding out is like, you've built this huge audience on Twitter. Are you looking at, you know, Mastodon? Are you looking at Post? Are you, look, are you looking at what do you do if you have to somehow migrate to another platform? I'm not looking that way right now. I'm just going to okay. I'm pretty loyal to Twitter. I've been on Twitter since 2009. Uh, you know, Elon Musk is a smart guy. He's not going to jeopardize his multi-billion dollar investment in Twitter. Uh, he might make some mistakes here and there, but all in all, I, I think, you know, he's going to turn the ship around and do great things with it, innovate, use some of the things he's learned from SpaceX, the boring company, uh, Tesla and that to improve Twitter. Okay. Yeah. No, except my impression is at least the, 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 the press uh, you know, and talking about Twitter and you know, potential negative changes, seem to be more on the political side. I mean, on the in, in terms of marketing Twitter, you know, I don't know. I'd love to get your impressions. I don't get the sense that it's changed much. I mean, you know, people don't get suppressed or kicked off or blocked or anything because they're just exchanging marketing ideas. Right. It hasn't changed much. That's my, in my honest opinion. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things I really hated with uh, Twitter previously Elon Musk, it was there's no uh, engagement whatsoever from Jack, Jack Dorsey. Oh, he, oh that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he he was not approachable whatsoever. Elon Musk is approachable. He right. comments on people's tweets. He actually engaged with them. Jack was never uh, really involved in the game and trying to approach him, uh, very, very difficult. And also with their customer service, Twitter was horrible. I mean, I was hacked one time a number of years ago. It took me a week to get back up and running. Wow. And that was only, no one would answer my, uh, uh, people were actually out there, people that were supporters of mine, right. and asking, please restore his account. Wow. And there was nothing. Yeah, so what yeah. happened is I ended up going to the Twitter office here in Atlanta, and a guy in sales, I said, can you help me? And this guy stuck his neck out. 
He said, I'll try my best. He said, we have firewalls within the organization. It's very, very difficult to make anything happen. So he huh. said, I'll try my best. And luckily, about two days later, I was reinstated. But I thought he had lost hours upon hours of work. Sure. Uh, and the inability. I know uh, several people that weren't as lucky, and they actually quit Twitter. Uh, or I should say they never decided not to go back on it because their accounts were hacked, and they right. could never resurrect them. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I think that's very ironic that you act the way to fix it was you showed up in person, correct, to, to, to make it happen, right? So, right. I, I guess that there's still still some. But the guy went out of his way. It was a real stretch, quite honestly, and I I was fearful that I'd lost many years of investment in Twitter because of that, and so I was livid at Jack and the inability of Twitter to respond to my request. So people that were making requests on my behalf to help. Reinstate me because I have been an advocate since 2009 at Twitter. It's really supportive. Telling people get on Twitter. You really oh, yeah, should join. Yeah. yeah, no, I think it's a, I think it's a great platform that. And but you know one of the things that I think makes it great. You know, you were talking earlier about being approachable, and right. in one of our you know networking sessions the other day, you were talking about somebody, one of the big authors. It wasn't Tom Peters. Or was it Jim Collins or one of those guys, one of the, the sort of big name strategic business authors whom you said was fairly approachable even, even on Twitter? And I, I'm trying to remember who that was. Well, the, the person that's really, I, I consider the greatest evangelist and greatest ambassador for Twitter, his name is Vala Afshar, A-F-S-H-A-R. And Valor is the chief evangelist for Salesforce. He reports to Mark Benioff. Okay. I've known Vala for a number of years. I actually had coffee with him back in, was it 2010 or something like that, 2011, up in Boston, or back there visiting the family. I think that was the time frame. And basically spent two or three hours with him at a coffee shop yeah. on the, huh. at a Starbucks inside of Barnes & Noble. I'll never forget. Fascinating individual. But he's been, done an amazing job and continues to do amazing job on Twitter and actually is an evangelist for and a goodwill ambassador for salesforce.com. Okay. So let me ask you this. I mean, you've obviously built up this huge network. If somebody was sort of starting out now, right, and trying to build their personal brand, would you still suggest that they spend a lot of time on Twitter? Is that the place to do it? Or is it LinkedIn or TikTok or Instagram or I think a combination of Twitter and LinkedIn is similar to what I've done. I mean, I have 26,000, I think, followers or something on LinkedIn, somewhere okay. on there. And so I've, I've been religious about that. But the problem I see on LinkedIn now is the fact that there seems to be too much Kardashian influence. I, I see okay. a, a lot of them are out there. There's an undercurrent of the so-called creators that are telling people, oh, you need to go out there and follow these creators. That's huh. not the case. You need to be following the, your target audience. Who are you, who's your target audience? Got it. Because of the fact that those are the people who are going to put money, uh, bread in your table right. or food in your table, not these creators. It benefits right. the creators more than it benefits the um, you personally. Yeah, that, yeah, that seems sort of odd. Right. But they're out there. And, and then also the fact is that it seems we have been infiltrated by people who make the most noise, uh, winning. And it's somewhat disconcerting because I, I used to really cherish or welcome 
thought leaders on LinkedIn, people that really, they weren't basket weavers two weeks ago, but they actually come from a, a lengthy uh, work experience background, educational okay. background. Uh, they were solid pillars of the community, similar to what the philosophy of 30 years ago. Maybe I'm being old school, but people that had a solid track record, a solid foundation. These are people I want to learn from because of the fact that uh, they're people that have been there and done that. They've, they've made tons of mistakes. Whereas these young uh, individuals, I have nothing against young people because you do learn a lot from them, from, particularly from the creative uh, aspects of things. But nevertheless, um, I think it's turned into too much of that. And even the, even on LinkedIn, you think? On LinkedIn, but without question, more so than on Twitter in a lot of respects. And now on Twitter, I see it being infiltrated by people who are talking about how they grew this number falling from one to 10,000 in two weeks or something like that. Now yeah. this long thread and they're trying to sell a course for $49 on yeah. how they can do that. But th that seems to be quite pervasive now on yeah, Twitter. The, the, the perils of social media. Right. Correct. <laughs> but I look for solid people such as you, Victor, and such as you, Richie, who have been there, done that great experience uh, work-wise and also from an educational perspective. Well, well, thank you, Jeff. We completely agree. And, you know, that's obviously, you know, why we had you on. So, right. you know, we appreciate you taking the time and sharing all this. And I think, you know, the fact that you really, your career has done so well and really spanned this whole range of marketing and changes in marketing, I think have, have been really re very in instructional and inspirational. Oh, so I was there. Cool. I mean, it was, it was simple years ago. I mean, I'm, I'm dead serious <laughs> compared to what it is now. It's so complex. I mean, you used to publish a brochure, a press release, some postcards. Uh, you go to a trade show, you'd yeah. write uh, a few things. But uh, compared to today, it is uh, unbelievable. It's a uh, what a portfolio approach you have to have in order to be successful. Yeah. So. Well, hopefully people will continue to follow you. And because, I mean, you've done a great job of laying out the portfolio. So, you know, we appreciate you spending the time with us, Jeff. I think uh, all, all the people who follow you on Twitter will really appreciate it. And uh, it, was, it was great having you. Well, it's great uh, talking with both you, uh, who I consider as uh, true professionals and really know what they're doing and can guide others along the way. So, Well, thank you very much, Jeff. It was great yeah. seeing you. Thanks, Jeff. And thank you. We'll sure have you on again in the future. Okay. Take care, guys. Thanks. Take Bye. care. Bye-bye. Please send us your comments and questions about networking. You can email us at dintlearn at harvard at gmail.com. We'll be including this in the description, in the episode description. Try today's networking nugget and tell us whether it worked or if you hate it or if you'd like us to brainstorm a solution for you. No charge. That's our way of saying thank you for supporting us by listening and sharing our content with people you care about. That's all this week from Rajiv and Victor. Thanks for listening to things I didn't learn at Harvard. Hopefully you learned something here today.